so jumping right in to verses 11 and 12, this is what they say. For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own action, actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. It's First John 3, 11 through 12. So right off the bat, John's talking about loving other people. So, so I'm studying through and I'm like, all right, awesome. I agree. We should love other people. And then the next thing he says is he goes into this case study about Cain and Abel. And that kind of threw me off right away. I'm like, wait, what? Like, I don't usually think, like, love all other people, Cain and Abel. If you, especially if you know that story, you might have, be a little confused by that as well. My next thought, this is really interesting and weird. My, my next thought is, got that covered. I don't have a brother. <laughs> no way, no way I'm going to fall into that trap, right? There's no one for me to kill. All right, nailed it. <laughs> uh, but I thought I should probably look into what, what the Bible says about Cain and Abel just to make sure I wasn't thinking too simplistically about it. Um, spoiler alert, I was. Um, so look at, let's look at the story of Cain and Abel here, all right? So just in case you don't know, I'm going to give you a little brief synopsis. So Cain and Abel, they are the sons of Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were the very first people that God created. So Cain and Abel are like Gen 2 human beings, okay? Like they're right there, like right at the start. They're literally like second generation. Uh, Cain is the older brother, and he uh, farmed crops. And then Abel was the younger brother, and he uh, was a shepherd. So it's like um, Cain's, uh, what, he, what he worked in was more of like the produce aisle. And then Abel was like, a, he worked in the meat locker. So that's essentially how you could think of it, like at a grocery store. Um, that was their job description. Now, they both brought offerings to God uh, and were told that God accepted Abel's gift and not Cain's. Uh, so right here, this is where we're going to pick up in the story. In Genesis 4, 5 through 7, this made Cain very angry. He looked dejected. Why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. Whoa. God's just like straight up talking to Cain, all right? Let's not pass over that quickly. I was reading and I was like, oh, da-da-da-da-da. Wait a second. God just audibly spoke to this guy. That's crazy, all right? So right off there, right off the bat, I got really distracted <laughs> while I was trying to read this. And I was like, that's crazy. Um, moving on. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refu refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. Now, it doesn't say explicitly why God rejected Cain's offering. I immediately pictured God as responding kind of like Ron Swanson would. Um, like, I, I imagine God being like, there must be a mistake. You, you've given me the food my food eats, you know? Like, I want the, I want the meat. Um, I don't think that's, that, that's right. That was a stupid thought I had. Um, <laughs> but to be entirely honest, when I'm eating a really good steak, I do feel closer to God. So there's a chance. I'm not telling you for sure, but there's a chance there. Uh, so I went looking for clues to what actually might be happening here. Um, and it says in verse 3 that Cain brought some of his crops, while Abel brought 
the best of his sheep, which really struck me. Uh, And then when we're looking at this dialogue between God and Cain, we see clearly that Cain had refused to do what is right. So this is where the pieces started coming together for me a little bit more. So Cain knew what God wanted him to do, and then he refused to do it and instead try to do things his own way. So this is where the relevance to my own life started connecting a little bit more clearly for me. And I started seeing in Cain's life an eerily similar picture to what often happens in my own life. Cain didn't start by killing his brother. He didn't just like wig out all of a sudden and there was no lead up. There was a very clear lead in to him killing his brother. There was sin which led into it. Cain's initial sin is not what we often think of as sin. Cain sinned by not doing what he knew he should do. We see this looking at verse seven. If you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. That's another translation. Um, This one says, but you must subdue it and be its master. So real quick, on your handout, one of the reasons I didn't have, we usually have like fill in the blanks on there for you. And one of the reasons I didn't is because I want you to be studying the Bible right along with me right now. So if anything stands out to you, I want you to just write whatever it is that's standing out to you. It might not be the exact same thing I said, or maybe some of the things I say will click with you. Some won't. That's totally fine. You just can like freestyle it and write whatever is really standing out to you from God's word. I meant to say that at the beginning, so now I'm interjecting that now. Um, So if you remember back uh, to what I said at the beginning, that while studying the Bible, my conclusion is almost always that there's something in my life that needs to change or um, uh, like a new way to be thinking about life that hadn't been previously. And here's the first one of those conclusions I had. It was that sin often enters life not through wrongful action first, but through wrongful inaction. And what was really interesting to me is after, and this is not the only way sin enters our life, but what was really interesting to me is once I started uh, thinking about that um, throughout my weeks, and I was looking for that in my own life, is I saw it over and over and over. When I was really looking for it, I found that a lot of the time, these, uh, the things that I know I should not be doing that I'm doing, uh, the sin that I repetitiously fall into, I wouldn't just start out with that. I would start out oftentimes by being lazy. And out of that laziness, that was my foot through the door into falling into bigger and bigger sins. It really snowballed out of the inaction, the wrongful inaction. And it's interesting because James 4.17 reiterates this exact point. It says, remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. Just says it so plainly there. We try to half-heartedly follow God just like Cain, and it doesn't work because it is actually sin. We don't often like to call it sin, but it is. Uh, uh, (laughs) Let me get a drink real quick. So this led me to the second conclusion. These were really back-to-back in my study. The second conclusion that I came to was that Sin is never satisfied with a single compromise. And this one really struck me 
So sin, sin is never satisfied with a single compromise. If you look back at verse seven, it says this, sin is crouching at your door, eager to control you. Sin's single focus is to control you. It wants to rule you. And you really need to understand that. Like I need to understand that on a greater level, that that is sin's goal, is it wants to rule my life. That's why like checking out that guy or girl as they walk by isn't just a small issue. That's why like, like not entirely following your teacher's instructions on the homework or test, you know, maybe like not really cheating, but not doing exactly how they want you to do it. It's not a little issue. That's why talking bad about someone behind their back, it's not really a little issue. Because each time we commit any kind of sin, no matter how small we think of it, we're actually promoting sin to a higher position of authority in our life. And it is aggressively trying to, to scale that ladder in your life. It's going to jump on any opportunity that it has. So what's amazing about Cain's situation here is that God himself audibly corrected him after he sinned. And instead of responding to God's correction and his attempt to help Cain get back on track, Cain did exactly what we so often do. Now, I don't know exactly what Cain was thinking in, uh, at this time, but I do know what I've thought several times. And in talking to people, I know a lot of people have the same exact thought process. It goes something like this. We think after half-heartedly pursuing God or half-heartedly really trying to, to live the way he wants us to be living and then it not working out, we think, well, obviously that stuff in the Bible is a good idea, but it doesn't seem to work for my life. I must be some sort of exception to the rule, to the general good principle of the Bible. And in my circumstances, that doesn't actually apply. And I can see because of the results. These results show, they're, they're, they're proof to me. I don't need to follow that part of the Bible because it doesn't seem to, be, seem to be true in my specific circumstances. So instead, I'm going to try to do life my way. Whenever we have any kind of a thought like this, we need to realize that we're on the cusp of a Cain moment in our life. We see the results in life we don't want to, and then either out of ignorance or self-deceit, uh, we do not connect them back to our not wholeheartedly following God. And then sometimes we even blame it on God. And I hope you're hanging with me right now because this biblical truth is profound. This biblical truth can dramatically alter the course of your life. And that might sound maybe a little bit bold to say, but I am very confident in saying it. Is if you can recognize this pattern in your life, it will produce a better life. And I can say this confidently because I'm not the smartest person ever. And I am not the wisest person ever. And I'm not even actually that old. But I have at this point in life seen people fall into this trap from like junior high all the way through people in their 60s. It's so hard for people to see in their own life. And it's oftentimes so easy for others to see. And it's a very specific pattern. And I'm going to tell it to you right now. Here's the pattern. We don't exactly follow God in some way. 
We don't do life exactly how we want to. A lot of the time, it's with our fine, like when people who are a little bit older uh, than us maybe, or even us, is our finances or our relationships or some big category like that. We don't exactly follow God how he wants us to be doing life. And then that leads to, if you're writing this down, you could draw a little arrow because it's really a cycle. That leads to a bad result because life does work the way God tells us it works. So we don't follow God. We get a bad result. And then the next step, we blame. That's the next step in this cycle. We do not accept responsibility or connect those dots between those two. Instead, we assign the bad result to somebody else or a circumstance in life, or that's just kind of how life goes. Has nothing to do with my actions or my choices. That's, we don't connect those dots. We just say, didn't follow God here. That has nothing to do with these bad results. And then, but actually the reason I got these bad results is because of that person or this, this circumstance. And what happens is when we blame is that frees us up to right again, jump back into the cycle of not following God. Because if that wasn't the problem in the first place that got the bad results, we can just do it again. There's, there's no problem. And hope for better results. And then what happens is we get bad results. And then we blame. And then that frees us up to not follow God. It keeps on going. And I've seen people follow this track for like 15 years in the same area of their life. Like only, only 15 years, I think is because that's how long I've been really like paying attention to these kinds of things in life. It's over and over and over, they're stuck in a cycle. And right now, where you're at in life, you have the opportunity to get ahead of this. That's why I'm telling you, this can dramatically affect your life. If you start connecting the dots. Cain didn't. Let's look at what Cain did. We already saw this. He didn't do what God wanted him to do. He refused to do what God wanted him to do. He got a bad result, but he was kind of pissed off about it. And then he clearly did not take responsibility or respond to God correcting him. Instead, here's what happened. In Genesis 4:8, one day Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the fields. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. I knew this already. Like, I knew what the result of this story was going to be when I started reading it in my Bible study. And it still shocked me. Because Jesus had just told Cain what to do. Cain was mad. God was like, hey, here's what you need to do. And then Cain ignored God and went off and killed his brother as some sort of attempt to resolve his issue. At first, I really thought that was crazy. I thought, how could anybody do that? And then that's when I really started thinking about this cycle that I've seen in other people's lives. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized that I, it's, I thought, oh, it's so funny how people don't see this in their own life, but how clearly it is for me to see in their life. And then I thought, oh, shoot. <laughs> that, that's true for me. If that's just true, if this pattern is easy for people to see in others and not in themselves, someone else is probably thinking that exact same thing about me. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I was super bummed. But I started looking for it. I really started praying about this. And I was like, God, please show me. I don't want to get stuck in this cycle. Like, that stinks. I've seen people get stuck in this cycle for so long. 
And it's really a bummer. I believe some of us in this room are on the cusp of a cane moment right now in our lives. We're weighing whether we are going to take God seriously or not. If Cain had taken God seriously, he would not have killed Abel. The very first act of murder on earth. That wouldn't have happened. God told him what to do and he ignored God. If God has been telling you something he wants you to do in life and you've been ignoring him, I am begging you, choose a different course of action because it did not end well for Cain. And the truth is that it won't end well for you either. Let's see what happened with Cain. The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. You are, un you, now you are under a curse and driven from the ground. When the, <laughs> when you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be the, a restless wanderer on the earth. It's Genesis 4, 12, 10 through 12. Now, at first I read that and I was like, oh, that's pretty fair. Cain got caught, he got off kind of easy. That's a, pretty, that's a pretty soft punishment. He just beat his little brother to death. And this is the result. Like, I was like, that's kind of crazy. And then I, then I realized I was thinking about, like, nowadays. Like, that wouldn't be a big deal for me. It's like, oh, man, like, planting flowers is going to suck. You know, like, oh, no, like, my life is ruined. No, because there's not that many people on earth right now. And there's no stores to buy food. So being an outcast who can't grow food is a brutal death sentence, essentially. Like that's, if you think about that, that's really like a just punishment for having beat his little brother to death. And what's amazing, what is absolutely amazing is what comes next. And this, this is actually why I chose to spend all of my time just talking about Cain and Abel tonight is because of this next part of this story. So I really want us all to focus in. Cain tells God he can't handle that punishment and that someone is for sure going to kill him to get revenge for Abel. So God puts a mark on him to tell everyone that they aren't allowed to kill Cain. That's it. Like that, 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 was the big, that was the big finale. <laughs> it doesn't seem like that big of a finale, but let me tell you why it is. Of the utmost importance for us to see what is happening here, God is showing undeserved mercy on Cain, completely undeserved. Cain, like I said, just committed the very first ever act of murder. God just witnessed somebody created in his own image kill another person created in his own image. And God knew that was not going to be the first. He knew that before human history ended, that billions of people would be murdered. That humans would commit horrible atrocities genocides of entire people groups. God knew that was coming. And this was just the very start of the horrible acts that we would take in sin and rebellion from him. And God's response right away, like right away, is showing undeserved mercy to Cain. He told, 
he told Cain that he was that he put a mark on him and that nobody would get revenge for Abel. That's wild to me. I'm a very like a, a justice-minded person. It's black or white. So in my head, I'm like, oh man, come on. Like Cain deserves to get it. Like someone's gotta go get that guy. But God's like, nope, like no one could touch him. That is wild to me. And despite how unfair that seems to me and how I think, man, like why didn't you just let Cain, you know, get killed by somebody else. Like, that would be just. That's not the result I want for my sin when I put it back on myself because I've sinned against God. And I am so, so thankful that God is so quick to err on the side of mercy and say, no, no, no. Like, I know you deserve death. I know you deserve to be separated from me. We look at 1 John 3, 16, this is the other John 3.16 in the Bible, right? John 3.16 is really big. First John 3.16 is awesome. This is how we know what love is. Christ laid down his life for us. Christ laid down his life for you. That is amazing. That same God who was quick to show mercy to Cain is the exact same God who laid down his own son, Jesus Christ, to die for your sins. I am so thankful that God is quick to show us mercy. 1 John 1, 9 says this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So if you'll turn to God, if you'll turn to Jesus in faith, he will forgive you. And that was my final conclusion from this Bible study that I had been doing. It was a really weird conclusion I did not expect to come to from studying about Cain and Abel, but that was my conclusion. I was like, wow. Like the very first murder and God right there set a precedent of showing mercy to sinful people like me. So that was my final conclusion. The way I wrote it out was that I am a sinner in desperate need of forgiveness from my perfect creator, just like Cain was. I am also in need of forgiveness from God because I have done wrong by him. So if you're right there with me, right? If you're right there with me, you know, you see that you are a sinful person before God. I really want to invite you right now. I'm going to close our time in prayer. And I want to invite you to just join me in your heart in praying and, and asking God for forgiveness and thanking him for his, for his mercy. Dear God, I thank you so much so much for how gracious and merciful you are, God. I thank you that you've never changed. You've been the same God yesterday, today, and forever. I thank you so much. I thank you for showing mercy on Cain. That is an example to me to, to show me just how consistently merciful you are. I thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for all of our sins, God. I ask you, please, Forgive me for the sins that I've committed against you, God. I pray for everybody here in this room tonight that you would please forgive them and lead them to faith in you and for them to pursue forgiveness from you for the sins that they've committed against you and that you would help us all to not get stuck in these ruts of life where we're repetitiously living in a way that is against you. I pray that instead we would live joyful lives 
following you and, and seeing the goodness that you intended for us to experience in life. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.